You know, we say that it takes a village to raise a child. <clears throat> Just see the speech therapy as part of your village. You know, there's nothing wrong to seek for help. There's nothing wrong. You're just making sure that your child has the best services to become their best selves, you know, when they're older. Trust the system. You know, speech therapy doesn't mean that your child will talk in two or three months. But what you're doing is you're making sure that through early intervention that your child will speak. And when he does or she does, it's going to be the right way. Inform, educate, advocate. This is your source for all things early childhood. From nurturing healthy development to overcoming behavioral challenges and recognizing mental health needs. Welcome to Centering Kids, advice from the experts at the Florida Center for Early Childhood. When we think about speech therapy, you may think about a treatment for a child who stutters or maybe a lisp. But today we're going to talk about how speech and language therapy is actually used for a variety of developmental challenges. And in honor of Better Hearing and Speech Month, I'm here today with Kim Williams, who is the Director of Developmental Services at the Florida Center for Early Childhood and also a speech and language pathologist. Kim, thank you for being here today. Hi. And then we also have Gigi Gillis, who is a parent of a child who has been the beneficiary of getting speech and language therapy, along with some other services to help him um, through his journey being on the autism spectrum. Thanks for being here, Gigi. Hi, Kristen. All right. So before we start, I just want to mention that um, our podcast today is sponsored by Dunlap and Moran, a local law firm that offers clients a wide array of legal services, including real estate transactions, estate planning, tax matters, probate administration, civil trial practice, and more. To learn more about them, you can visit DunlapMoran.com. All right. So Kim, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about um, your experience at the Florida Center or your journey in becoming a speech-language pathologist. Well, um, you know, I was getting out of high school, and we had to decide what we were going to be when we were going to grow up. And uh, I always enjoyed working with young children and working with people in general. So I decided to pick a field or a profession that I would have the opportunity to do that. And so I chose speech-language pathology. Now, did you have, you know, growing up, were you a great orator? Were you in, you know, drama or anything like that, where you spoke a public speaker? I was. I, I, um, I did some public speaking in school and, you know, I was always up for the class play or, you know, being on a team and, you know, things like that. So I did, I was very comfortable in that environment of communicating with people and children. And Excellent. Yeah. That's a good tidbit to, to know there. It helped you along the way, maybe. So uh, I understand that May is Better Hearing and Speech Month. So I know there's different, you know, causes that we observe throughout the year. And tell us what this month is all about for you. This month is, is a special month that the American Speech and Hearing Association sponsors every May. And it's to raise awareness about people with communication difficulties and then how their members, who are speech-language pathologists and audiologists, 
um, can help people with communication challenges. Okay. So how many people would you estimate do have an issue like that? Oh, I, I can't even begin to know the percentage, but it's many, many people from children to adults. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes in, in many forms, um, from children having not learned to speak yet to adults that have lost communication that they have. So it's pretty broad. Probably the, the majority of um, the issues would lie with the early childhood because they can be corrected. Would you say that's, that's a true statement? Um, I think that the challenges um, in young children, yes, you're better, better to start early. Um, adults can lose things they've, they've had, but children, early intervention is so fantastic. You know, it's definitely a, a good way to start early mm-hmm. for children with communication difficulties. Well, speaking of starting early with children, Gigi, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your story with your son, Justin. Absolutely. Um, as a first-time mom, it's a little bit difficult um, because you want to keep up with the milestone checklists. You know, your child is supposed to be walking at eight months, you know, crawling at eight months, and then walking at 14 months. So when we hit the 18 months and Justin didn't have any words, we started to worry. Um, we've always been very blessed. Justin has always been at the Starfish Academy. The teachers you know, walk you through everything. And, you know, they brought me the the concern that there were no words. Um, Our speech language therapists are amazing. You know, they give you that calmness of, you know, let's just do an assessment. Let's see um, what is going on. And that's how we started our our amazing journey. Mm -hmm. So it was really the the teachers and and you also were a little bit concerned that he wasn't communicating? Yes, yes. our biggest worry at the beginning was his ears, just because of genetics. Um, we went through it. We found fluid behind his ears. And, you know, you have that little bit of denial at the beginning. There's nothing wrong with my perfect child. And, you know, we said, oh, that's what it is. Um, but again, you know, you have your teachers that walk you through. You have your speech language. And they say, you know what? There's nothing wrong doing both. You know, if that's the only thing going on. Um, you'll see a change. And we didn't. So we are very glad that we start early intervention. And nowadays, Justin has more than a thousand words. Mm, more than a thousand. That's amazing. And yes. how, how long has he been in the program getting therapies now? He's been in speech language for two years. Um, I want to say that one of the, the most amazing thing that the speech therapy told me the first time we met was that speech therapy he's not going to come here and start talking in two weeks. And that is the best expectation that she could give me because you don't know, right? You feel that a speech therapy, they're just going to show him what is a pencil and, and a toy. Um, and they go through many different, you know, we did sign language, you know, ways for Justin not to be um, frustrated, not being able to communicate. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like that's really a, a great testament for, an early childhood education setting too, and being able to have those teachers there that monitor the progress versus, you know, maybe at home, you're not really, you don't know what those milestones are or what the expectations should be. So uh, I think that's a great testament for, for an early childhood setting. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes we, we think that is behavior, but we need to understand that our little kids, you know, they have things that they want. 
you know, and not being able to tell us, even, you know, just pointing or even a little sign language. You know, even our teachers here at the Starfish Academy, they taught Justin how to say more through sign language, you know, how to say please and thank you. Mm -hmm. Just those little things helped him, you know, to develop as he now have words. Wonderful. And Kim, can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, how the speech language pathologists go through the process? Like Gigi was saying, you know, they maybe start with some sign language. How does that really help with the the speech formation and learning that skill? Yes, and, and Gigi really brought up so many good points from making sure that his hearing was in order to looking at the developmental milestones and then reaching out to folks that were, you know, going to be able to help her. Uh, speech language pathologists... Uh, in their training, learn to break communication down. So if you you think of language, they can break it down into the smallest parts. So they've been trained how to teach that. So when children come and we do, you know, our initial assessment and sort of get through what's going on, we can figure out a plan of care with the parent And we start with where they're at. It doesn't matter how old they are, we begin where they're functioning. And we begin um, to then pick up on the developmental milestones where they're at. So if a three-year-old comes to us and they have no words at all to express, they have a lot of, uh, you know, vocal play with their sounds, um, we're going to start at, let's say, 12 months. And even though that sounds like, oh my goodness, we're two two years behind, we help the parents understand, but we have to start where they're at because everything follows building. Just like in education, you build on a foundation of learning. So if you don't have enough vocabulary yet, how can you make a sentence? And that's what Gigi learned is that now that he's got all this vocabulary, now we can put some phrases mm-hmm. and sentences together. Mm-hmm. So we're really trained in breaking it down and then building it up, you know, mm-hmm. with our, our children. Okay. And is there any primary cause that you would say that you've seen along the way? Any, any particular reason that, you know, certain children have difficulties? There's, there's many reasons. Sometimes we know the reasons and sometimes we don't. Oftentimes, children can have a hearing loss. Um, that might be temporary. You know, they have fluid in their ears or wax in their ears, and it's not noticed right away. Some children will respond, you know, by pulling their ears or crying a lot. Other children will have no response, so a parent may not catch that. So it can be hearing loss. Sometimes it can be if a if a child um, is just been in a situation where you know someone hasn't really been speaking a lot to them. So sometimes the environment isn't conducive, you know, for them to learn language. Other times, there's no real reason for it unless there's some type of medical diagnosis. Um, if children have a medical diagnosis, that, that particular diagnosis may have reasons for why they might not develop language mm-hmm. as quickly as others. But sometimes we just don't know. So as professionals... We work where we see that they're at, that I described Mm -hmm. earlier. And then if we get more information later on, that's great. But we're going to treat what we see and we're going to go with it. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to put boundaries on it. Mm -hmm. We're just going to go with it. Right. And we see over and over again the success that we see 
when you think you might not have seen that success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And what kind of tools do you use for this type of thing? Just talking, pictures? Are there specific kinds of technology that you use? You know, it's interesting. That's the thing about the parents is that we are an open-door policy. So if a parent wants to come back and engage in therapy with us, they do. And what they realize is that, wow, the speech pathologist might not have much more than I have in my house. Hmm. You know, like maybe we have some picture cards we bought or some games or some sequencing cards, and we might have some things, but it's nothing that a parent can't go and pull off a shelf in some store. Hmm. Um, So we use... um, a lot of things that hopefully we, parents have in their natural environments. Okay. And then, yes, in other particular cases, we might need some specialized equipment. So um, some children, we might need um, some technology. So it might be an iPad that has certain apps on it so that they can um, press on the iPad and it may talk for them or it might teach that talking for them, may facilitate it just like the sign language would have facilitated it with Gigi-san. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes there's high-tech, there's low-tech things. Um, there might be, you know, when we have to work on, sometimes children have low tone and everything, so they can't produce their sounds that well. We might have some little devices that we use to get, you know, some tone in their cheeks stimulated. So you mean like muscle tone? Yes. Okay. Muscle tone. Yeah, ah, interesting. And yeah. Gigi, maybe you can share something that you might have learned along the way as a parent that you can do to help foster that communication. Just like Kim was saying, you know, just whatever you have around the house or games or just talking to the child. Um, yeah, so we we've worked very direct with our speech therapist. She gave us pictures, which we used at home, um, because one of the first things she also told us is, that a child needs to connect a word with the picture. If he doesn't know what it is, there is there's no way for them to say it. Um, so we started with the basics. We had a picture of a banana, we had a picture of a juice, and we had a picture of um, a yogurt. So we will give him two choices. Do you want yogurt or do you want a drink? And he at the beginning would point. You know, um, one of the first words that he, that Justin had was no. (laughs) So he would give us the no and the quiet would be the yes. Mm. Um, And as we went, the speech always told us, you know, keep it realistic, but keep bringing up your, you know, your standards. And if you know that he can say no, you know, challenge him in that, you know, getting your yes and your no's. And from yes and no's, we said, okay, now give us either water or, or juice. And that was it. We had two or three words. And we were just just excited, mm-hmm. you know, hitting these milestones and just hearing a no and then a milk and then mm-hmm. a, a juice came the mommy, mm-hmm. you know. And it's every milestone, it's the most amazing celebration mm-hmm. when it comes to it. I guess probably not many parents would be excited when their children is telling them no all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, understandable, yeah. Uh, Kim, what would you say is the most important um, thing maybe that, that you've learned about working with parents or, or working with children and parents, just incorporating that whole you know, system of care mm-hmm. with the, the group? I think um, it's so important for professionals to have a, 
a relationship with the parent that's trusting and that they can they they can believe one another like when a parent says yeah he did this at home generally he he did that at home mm-hmm. even though you may have never observed it but one thing when i have conversations with parents that i've never met someone may call the center and i end up on the phone with them and they're really concerned like when they're thinking of referring and they're saying well i don't know my you know my mom thinks this or my grandmother and the doctor said this and you know and I always say, are you worried about something? They said, yes. And then they tell me what they're worried about. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you're worried about it, come on in. Right. Get your child assessed. Mm-hmm. Because it's very important for that mother or primary caregiver to feel comfortable and not anxious about their child. So when they come in, you can, you know, it's okay if nothing's wrong. And if something is wrong, look at that. We're, you're going to get right, some help. at least then you know. So it's go with your gut, go with your instinct, because I'll, I'll tell you, parents, most of the time you're right. Um, and then throughout that process, when you're working with them, you know, check in how they're doing. Check in things they may have tried at home. Give them ideas for things to try at home. And I always say, talk, talk, talk to your children Mm -hmm. Um, and really have a language-rich environment Mm -hmm. because really language, both understanding language and using language, is the foundation. Communication is the foundation for everything we do. So we talk a lot about that and how we're going to get there and their baby steps, but we're going to get there and to celebrate the successes. Mm -hmm. It's really crazy to think about how some simple actions can really promote that development in children. I know personally, my mother watched my um, children when they were babies while I was working, and she would take them to the grocery store and talk to them on the way there and talk to them as they were in the store. Do you think we should get this or that? And just hearing I mean, I had never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're not going to talk back to you, so why do you need to talk to them? But they're absorbing all that. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And you mentioned that um, sometimes maybe a pediatrician will make a referral or, um, you know, somebody else may recognize something. How do we typically, how do you typically get clients or, um, you know, children to work with? Well, if a parent got a referral from their pediatrician, um, they will call the center and either they'll just call the main number and they'll ask for intake or they'll say, "My, I have concerns, um, who do I speak to at your center? And they'll get to our intake department. Um, other parents, like I said, they'll call, they'll get to me. I tell them exactly what to do. Other doctors or specialists, such as ears, nose, and throat doctors, sometimes a gastroenterologist who does, you know, we do feeding therapy. Again, they'll call or they may directly contact me or one of my therapists, mm-hmm. and it'll we'll just get them through the process. Now, how does feeding therapy fit in with all of this? Well, it's interesting that you ask that because when you think of um, newborns, newborn babies, I mean just a day old, weeks old, what's really important to look for in the newborn babies is you want to know their hearing, So they have the universal newborn hearing tests that get done at the hospitals now. But as new moms and dads, you want to be keeping an eye on that. So you want to make sure that, you know, if someone drops a dish in the kitchen and the baby's nearby, 
that the baby shows some kind of alerting to it, whether mm-hmm. their body shakes or their eyes alert. Um, it won't be till about five months that they'll turn their head to the sound, but it's really important that you keep an eye on their hearing. The other thing that you'll see in young babies that we would see them for is feeding therapy. And so when babies are first born, they have to be fed. They're fed by breast or bottle. They have to be able to suckle. So if they're having problems latching on to a bottle or a breast, and then they can't sequence a suck, swallow, breathe, Hmm. that means they may have some low tone, and they're not going to be taking in as much as they need Hmm. for, for them to, you know, have their appropriate caloric intake and to thrive. Wow. So um, oftentimes um, these children may be referred or it's really important for a parent to say, I don't know, you know, my, my baby like sucks, but he keeps stopping. Um, and so sometimes you'll hear babies like suck, suck, suck. And then you'll hear sort of a strident sound like, <gasps> because they're trying to catch their breath mm-hmm. because they're not coordinating that well. Hmm. So in the very young infants, you know, like birth to you know, six, eight, ten months, you're really looking at a, a lot of that, the feeding oral motor, because um, if there's some low tone in there, even for the feeding, it's a good chance it's going to affect hmm. speech later on. So do you think that a lot of like premature babies may have been more susceptible to... They can be, yes. Hmm. That makes sense. I yes. never really thought about the correlation between that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. Well, Gigi, do you want to add anything more about, you know, your experience and, you know, as a parent, what advice you might have for other parents? You know, we say that it takes a village to raise a child. Just see the speech therapy as part of your village. You know, there's nothing wrong to seek for help. There's nothing wrong. You're just making sure that your child has the best services to become their best selves, you know, when they're older. Trust the system. You know, speech therapy doesn't mean that your child will talk in two or three months. But what you're doing is you're making sure that through early intervention that your child will speak. And when he does or she does, it's going to be the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you, you know, a lot of the parents, we have this this bad habit of, entertaining each other and you know you have a boy and boys don't talk until later my my son didn't talk until he was three and four and you know part of me wanted to say he's gonna be okay I'll just wait um but my other side said what if you wait and you could have made an impact Mm -hmm. earlier and I am so glad that I that I listened to the teachers and and the speech therapy Mm -hmm. right because they're so like, like sponges in those first few years. So you, you miss a year or a few months and that's progress that you could have made. Kim, were you going to add something? Um, I was just going to say that, um, and when parents have young children and you're, you're searching for that speech language pathologist professional, you know, find people that have pediatric experience because, you know, pediatric experience and adult experience is very different sometimes. And, um, and know that, um, we love working with these children 
And it's so important for the parents to know that we love working with them. Mm. It really is so much fun. I, mm -hmm. I mean, it really, I've done this for a long time. I've been at the Florida Center for a long time. And it's such a joy to come to work when, when you know that you're going to have, oh, mom's coming into the session today, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's just something that I think I enjoy that almost as much as having mm -hmm. the child in mm -hmm. front of me because they're sharing that little gift mm. with us. Yeah. Oh, that's um, neat. And it, it really is, you know, great. And you work with children from, like you were saying, babies and helping to maybe identify some issues there all the way up through age 10 or so? Right now we're working with children birth to 12. Okay. Here at the Florida Center. We just kind of, you know, started working. We were working till nine, but we just increased the mm -hmm. age. So to 12. Okay. So it's a pretty broad. And if there's you know, some parents or caregivers listening that maybe have a child who is already in elementary school, it's, there is still opportunity to improve on if they maybe have, you know, the child has a difficulty, right? Yes. Yes. There's always time for improvement. And sometimes the children in the schools may have been already, you know, recognized as needing speech and they may be getting it in speech. You know, they may be getting it in school. Mm -hmm. And so if they want additional therapy, they can reach out to the community okay. and have additional so services. Even if, even if they're getting it maybe once a week in schools, but they think that maybe the child could benefit from more, they can come and see a, a, another practitioner like the Florida Center or wherever yes. you know, is another. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as far as fees and payment, we do take insurance, correct? Yes. We take a variety of Medicaid. We take private insurance, private pay. Okay, excellent. So lots of ways that people can access the services here to ensure their children are getting the tools they need to succeed. I just want to thank both of you for joining me today. And again, we want to thank our sponsor, Dunlap and Moran, who provides legal services to the Sarasota community. And you can learn more about them at dunlapmoran.com. So thank you so much, Kim and Gigi, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Centering Kids. You can visit the Florida Center for Early Childhood online at www.thefloridacenter.org to learn more and subscribe to this podcast. Have comments or suggestions for a show topic? Email us at podcast at thefloridacenter.org. Thanks again for joining us for Centering Kids, where early childhood experts give you tips and tools to help center children, foster their healthy development, and build stronger families.